Welcome to The Vine, a plant media project podcast with your hosts, Elizabeth Sheldon and Gina Vensel. The Vine is an insightful look into the world of plant medicine, exploring the changing landscape around cannabis and psychedelics, and ending the stigma through educational discussions. The Vine podcast does not offer medical advice nor condone any use of illegal substances. Consult your physician or therapist before making changes to your wellness plan and before trying alternative healing medicines. Today, we welcome a fellow plant medicine enthusiast and powerhouse in the cannabis industry, Abby Wright. She's an award-winning cannabis leader with 24 years of advocacy involvement in the cannabis industry. Her professional background includes marketing, fundraising, startups, social media, publishing, advertising sales, project management, event management, coaching, and entrepreneurship. Abby is also a spiritual advisor helping inspire and counsel those seeking answers or clarity of higher consciousness. Abby currently works for Champs Trade Shows, the premier counterculture business-to-business trade show expo, serving the smoke shop industry since 1999, convening thousands of retail and wholesale buyers from around the world. We're excited to welcome Abby Wright to The Vine. Thank you very much. Yes, Abby, welcome. We're so glad to have you. And I just wanted if we could start out uh, you telling our listeners how cannabis was introduced to you and why it's such an important element in your life. Um, Yes. So cannabis was introduced to me at a very young age, um, around age 15. And, you know, I mean, it's it it was introduced to me in my mindset, the traditional way, just through friends and through the grapevine, if you will. Um, But What I really noticed is that, you know, the medicinal benefits for me, um, I noticed right away, it was just something that calmed me down. Um, I didn't know at the time that I was medicating myself for high levels of anxiety. I had teachers constantly when I was younger telling me that if I didn't calm down, I would give myself ulcers. Um, And, you know, by 15 I mean, it was probably the latter part of 15, age 16 is really when I picked it up. Um, but, you know, it early on, like I said, it was it, little did I know I was serving myself for later what would become, you know, high levels of anxiety and, and even depression at times throughout my life. Um, and it wasn't until I was working in cannabis media that I actually checked that for fact by a neurologist. And um, all they wanted to do was prescribe me pain pills and opioids and antidepressants. And I was like, I'm not depressed. You know, like I'm just trying to get information and potential answers, you know, and can you tell me about plant medicine therapy? And of course they couldn't. And so I said, no, thanks. And I just, you know, continued on my own journey with plant medicine therapy of my own cannabis mainly. And, um, you know, this, it, it just ended up working really well with what I was doing professionally too. And for that, I've been really blessed. But um, once I told them, no, thanks, I went and got my Nevada medical card and I've got that here today. So. And in Nevada, it's adult use now, right? So you were a part of the industry as it was changing from a medical market into an adult use market. And I was just wondering if you could tell us a little bit about that experience. Yeah, so we went um, adult rec uh, in 2017, and it was interesting because I had, you know, a, a probably a half ounce at home, but I it wanted to stand in line 
at, you know, at like one of the dispensaries to celebrate our opening day. And it was funny because the first dispensary we stood in line at, they didn't get their license in time and they were not able to open on opening day. And they happen to be like one of my favorites to this day. Um, but we ended up going all the way down across town to another dispensary called Shango. And no joke, it was the middle of July in the middle of the heat in Las Vegas. And I stood in line for three hours. Oh my God. Just to, just to have the, you know, the cannabis dispensary experience for the first time ever celebrating with our community here in Nevada. Um, and it wasn't even until later than that, that I actually got into the actual industry. I've just always been supporting the industry, supporting growers, you know, throughout the different places that I've lived and worked. And, you know, I had to take, um, I, I went my entire professional career uh, taking jobs that I knew that I wasn't going to be drug tested. And literally the only drug test uh, that I ever had to take, I failed honorably. <laughs> and I mean, and I just, you know, I want to, I, I would like to think that that just helped put me on the correct path to where I am now and everything that, you know, I'm doing within the industry as an advocate, as an educator, as, um, you know, just not just in cannabis now, because, you know, with my position with champs, we, it's so much more, we support everybody inside and outside ancillary, everything. So wholesalers, retailers, it's the entire counterculture. And I'm, it's, it's a dream come true, to be honest with you. So it's been a lot of fun. So I'm hoping that you can tell us what it's been like navigating this um, typically male dominated world of cannabis. Um, and, and you're such a powerhouse. So, so tell us how you've been able to navigate that. Uh, it's a great question. Cause I mean, what we do in the cannabis industry, I would like to think is just the same as in any industry, you know, and it's the same types of uphill battles that uh, we as women are, are constantly facing. Right. But what I've actually found is even in our industry um, where we've been accepted a lot more cannabis sativa plant itself is female. You know, that's what gives <laughs> us our, 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 our medicine. And um, I, I get a lot of support, uh, especially here at champs trade shows and upon coming on board, you know, he wanted to find a way we've been around for a very long time, 23 years, you know, mm. And, um, you know, he's seen, uh, and I, when I say he, Jeff Hirschfeld, the owner of, uh, of Champs, and, you know, they started out a, with a team of three people who put Champs together and has grown into this massive conglomeration across counterculture industries. And um, all, they wanted a way to support all of the women and making sure that, you know, we feel comfortable on a show floor of massive size because we've got anywhere from... 500 to 1200 vendors, depending on the show. And then, you know, we've got anywhere from 5,000 to 8,000, you know, uh, buyers that are walking those show floors again, depending on the show. But I mean, like we're the largest in the business for a reason and to especially women. I mean, it's overwhelming to men too, but especially to women walking these show floors sometimes for the first time ever. And just like you said, predominantly male industries, um, you know, historically speaking. Um, but it's such an honor to be able to 
build something for women and, and, and help them feel more comfortable walking and also having, um, you know, having that confidence to be able to, to do business on the show floor and knowing that they're getting the same, same type of deals and, and advantages that anybody else is too. Um, because this is something that it's, it's not male, it's not female, it's medicine for everybody. And, and, and I, you know, I'm going to take this off of the business side of things, but historically speaking, women have been the medicine givers. We've been the medicine women. Um, you know, we're the ones who take care of people. Therefore we know how important and significant this is to not just the recreational community community, but also the medical community as well. And, and women, I think, as mothers and caretakers, understand that on a deeper, more compassionate level than not all men, but, you know, tr- you know, generally speaking, you know, the male would traditionally would. And I just wonder what advice you may have for some younger women that are really interested or hopeful to get into the industry. Do you have any tips of advice that might make them feel more empowered to do so? Yes. And I love this question so much. Um, First off, what is it that you're passionate about? Whatever it is, still do that. And then figure out how that applies to the cannabis and plant medicine industry. Because I promise you, there's a niche for that. Like for me personally, my background has always been in communications and um, entertainment and events and marketing. And lo and behold, there's an industry for that on the cannabis plant medicine side because everybody needs to learn about this. You know, and in events, you know, people want to celebrate it. And this is how people learn and get educated about it face-to-face communication. And that's just me. I've got another girlfriend who swag and promotional merchandise is her jam. And she lives, breathes, and eats this. And she's been doing it for years and years for other companies in the convention worlds. But now she gets to do that specifically, you know, for the cannabis industry and help people out for all of these events and stuff that people go to. And I mean, I could give you a gazillion different examples, but that's exactly why here at Champs Trade Shows, we've got different sections for things like that. We've got a fashion section, you know, dedicated to fashion in the cannabis and counterculture industries. We've got um, obviously Women of Champs that helps focus and highlights, you know, women in counterculture, the women buyers and and um, business owners and making sure that they're getting that spotlight and recognition too and support as well. We've even got a mycology section that we're starting with the growing mycology um, industry and making sure that people are getting the right education and materials with these new businesses that are starting to start up. So, you know, it's a little bit of everything. And um, whatever it is that you're passionate about, you can absolutely find your your niche and connection with that, with what we're doing. Um, and I promise you that when you follow your passions, that's when you're going to be most happy with everything that you do in life. So that's my best advice. So you, you touched on it a little bit about um, what uh, women of champs means or what that's about. And just wondered if you could expand on that and tell us about your role. In the a thousand business. percent. So I was brought on to Champs, obviously, with my background and coming from cannabis and cannabis media and everything else. 
Um, but, you know, he was looking for a way to support all of our women in counterculture industry. And that's across the boards, not just cannabis. We're talking the, the glass artists and glass blowers and uh, female, of course, and um, the female buyers and the female um, business owners and, you know, even brand reps. And it's just anybody, any female that works in the industry and, you come to these big conventions and if you've ever been to a trade show of any size, I mean, it's, you know, anywhere from tens to hundreds to thousands of buyers or I'm sorry, exhibitors on a show floor. And then you add buyers on top of that and it can get very overwhelming. Um, and, you know, then on top of that, you've got just lots of excitement and lots of things to see and you're, recording and you're getting business cards and free product and it's a lot. And so being able to build a program, um, women of champs, the, the main goal is to build a program of support, um, so that we can make sure that the women know of upcoming events, um, that we have, you know, uh, B2B networking opportunities that gives us, um, more intimate experiences to be able to network between each other. Um, as women, we all know word of mouth is one of the best, best forms of promotion and, and uh, empowerment, honestly, and um, being able to, to get together with groups like this all across the country, I think is going to be super important in, in the growth and support of women of champs as we move forward. Um, but those are just some of the little things that we're doing. I'm looking at, you know, ways to be able to integrate um, more interaction um, on the show floor, being able to drive more women towards the women-owned booths and the women-supported booths all across the show floor. And honestly, not just women, men, men as well. You know, what we've found is we've got a ton, a ton of male support, um, and we want to continue to... Um, you know, grow that as well in all the best ways. I love this. I think that it is overwhelming when you go to a trade show floor and you don't even know where to begin. And even just to know ahead of time where there might be some friends that you made through online connections, because I know that you've put together some Facebook groups and some Instagram all tied to Women of Champs. And that really creates this community that exists outside of the event so that when the event happens, it's like you almost feel like you're meeting your friends for the first time. Maybe someone that you connected with just online is now two booths down from you and you've already met, you've already connected and you don't feel so alone in that bigger sea of booths and vendors. So I just think that there's a lot of power behind what you're what you're building here. And I'd, I'd love to talk more about, you know, what your shows are like, you know, what shows do you have upcoming, um, you know, ways that, you know, listeners can get involved in, you know, getting a booth, being involved in Women's of Champs, like how can our listeners help you and support you? Great. Yeah. Well, first off, Champs Trade Shows is a party on the show floor. Um, we, it's just so much fun because we do have so many uh, vendors and so many buyers that come to check us out and support us. And you're able to go there and see all of the new products and, you know, purchase, purchase your merchandise and stock up your stores for the next, you know, six to 12 months if you want. Um, but we've got so many people that love to travel with us the entire circuit or they'll go to, you know, uh, two shows, you know, the first six months and two shows the last six months. And because we do six shows a year all across the country. 
And we've been doing that and growing that, um, you know, again, for the last, you know, going on 23 years now. So um, as far as where you can find out uh, the latest information for Champs Trade Shows, just go online. Uh, our website is the best bet. It has all the latest up-to-date information, and that's champstradeshows.com, plural. Um, but it, you can also find the Women of Champs information at champstradeshows.com. Uh, 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 backslash women dash of dash champs.com. Um, but online social media is probably easier. Obviously we've got champs trade shows on all the major platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn. Um, we've got a uh, women of champs, our Facebook group and our women of champs on IG. And then you can find me, um, cannabis, right? W R I G H T on Instagram or Abby Wright, A-B-I-W-R-I-G-H-T 27 on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. And that's that's just to, to stay up to date with the latest information. I mean, honestly, we're just trying to keep people, um, when you go online, you can um, fill out, there's a, we, we've got a Women of Champs form, uh, especially for all the women out there listening to this. I'd love to get you involved. Um, it's just a bit.ly link, fill out a simple Google form, and then you get added to our mailing list where we keep you up to date with monthly newsletters. We're gonna be doing a quarterly e-zine, um, you know, directed specifically towards the women of champs. Um, and then, you know, annual, we're looking at annual things on top of, you know, just all of our shows and surrounding events that kind of lead up to that as well. And then, you know, now that I'm on board, um, I've really tried to get involved into any of the communities that we're touching. And so we're um, really trying to connect with other events. And, and um, you know, one of my main hashtags on social media has always been community over competition. Not that there is competition, but it's, it's just bringing people together. I really think that, you know, we're stronger together when we work together, especially in this community. There's still so much that we're fighting against and so much change that still has yet to be made. And so the more companies, especially large corporations that have been in this for a long time that are working together, that's how we're going to be able to build stronger, a, a more unified um, system of support across the boards. Just thinking about when Champs started, you know, way back in the 1900s, um, <laughs> that, you know, the stigma was certainly there more than it even is now. And yet Champs was that, you know, pivotal, we're the counterculture, we are come, we're, we're an industry, we're a business, we're, you know, we're going to be coming to a city near you. And I'm just thinking about how much evolution has happened since then in terms of the stigma. And are you, do you feel that you're met with any stigmas when you're going to these cities nationwide? Or do you think that maybe a combination of, of the longevity of the show combined with just where we are nationwide with more acceptance around cannabis, that it may not be um, chalked with as much stigma as it was in the past. So that's, that's so great that you're talking about this because we still have all kinds of stigma against us, but you know, now obviously, especially over the last several years, um, it, it seems to have been more widely accepted, obviously. Um, but what a lot of people don't know about Champs Trade Shows is that when we began, 
um, back in 1999, we, we started as a, a water, as gauge water pipes. It was a water pipe company. And we, uh, they did the little uh, rubber pieces that, and I forget what they're called, but the little rubber pieces, you know, between the pipe and the, and the piece. And they started with water bunks and that's, that's what they did and have grown since then, um, you know, started getting uh, shows together and got on the trade show floors. And then another really cool tidbit of information that I will share with you ladies is, um, you know, the whole thing with Tommy Chong and uh, Jason Harris and Operation Pipe Dreams. In that Which report, got busted in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, my hometown. Right. Not proud about that, but I remember when this all went down because we had a local place near University of Pittsburgh called Teleropa that had the bong shop in the back. You had to be 18, and all of a sudden, the one day was completely shut down. The whole place was shut down, and yeah. I saw every spot that sold glass in my hometown immediately closed down because of this operation pipe dreams, because apparently there was a warehouse in Pittsburgh where Tommy Chong was warehousing and and keeping his wholesale of his products. Yeah. They had a whole sting operation. And, um, in that whole report, um, what you'll find is that there was, and it was like Senator, Oh, I forget his name right now. I wrote it down. I don't know if I have it on my notes. Um, but there was a a Senator Ash, I think Ashcroft or something like that. And in his report, he had named, um, a cannabis show that they were targeting and were going to shut down. And that was actually us that we were the cannabis show that they were talking about. And that was a really hard year for us because a lot of people pulled out. They were scared because they were making announcements knowing that these busts were going to be happening and, you know, but through blood, sweat and tears, you know, here we are still shining today, um, stronger than ever. And, you know, I'm I just I love the fact that I'm uh, working with a company that has so much history in the in the industry. Um, but it's it feels like, you know, we've got so much structure and foundation where we're really the true grassroots of counterculture, um, supporting not just cannabis, but everybody that, you know, has had to fight from, you know, I mean, JBD, he was a glass maker and, you know, Jason Harris, he still got arrested for that kind of stuff. So, and we are just so proud to support those, those artists and those, uh, you know, glass artists today that are still, you know, doing their thing. So mm-hmm. big part of what we do. <laughs> Very cool, Abby. And you mentioned social media too, which I just have to have to mention, because I mean, come on Meta. Like, why does Facebook and Instagram have to still have the stigma that the rest of the country doesn't seem to have? We cannot advertise in the traditional ways. We cannot, you know, even honestly, our events are still shadow banned. Posts are still shadow banned. Accounts are still constantly being taken down from social media. And so I'm just curious, have you come across any, maybe not your show itself, but even some clients that you work with and partners that are still having issues? Because we certainly are still seeing it on our end. Oh, yeah. We, I mean, absolutely. A lot of our vendors and exhibitors, they have the same issues. Everybody has to create their, you know, backup accounts in case one gets shut down or you get shadow banned and all of that. Like I've been shadow banned myself on my, on my personal accounts. Like you can tell when it happens, you're just not getting all the likes, all the hits, all the connections. People are still watching you, you know, but it's, it's so much harder. And that's where I find 
our, like our trade shows. I've always been a, a huge advocate and fan of trade shows and conventions and that face-to-face -face interaction and business connections and transactions. I mean, that's where you get business done. Um, but it, you know, it, it also boils over to the after events. They're just as important. You know, that's where business continues and people are still learning about all the products that you can't take onto a show floor because of laws and regulations and rules. But that's where you get to actually test product with the products that we, you know, are able to sell on the show floors and things like that. Um, but it's, it's not just, you know, shows and, and fun exhibitions. Um, I think things like exactly what we're doing right now, podcasts and panels and educational, um, you know, types of conventions and expos are equally important to be able to share and spread this information face-to-face -face, where you can hear it with your own, you know, ears and see it with your own eyes and get the chance to then interact and experience it later on at these after events too. And when you bring all of that together, it, the social media doesn't matter. It's just an added value when it comes to marketing, um, you know, the overall marketing experience, but it's, it's still why it's important to, to be at these events. And I know with COVID it's made things difficult. And now we're looking at flying monkey pox. I don't know, but no, it's you know, only a few so far. God. So, um, but you know, and we're with anything that we've ever done, we've always done it to the best of our ability. Uh, we've always done it according to all state laws and guidelines. And, you know, somehow we have still made it for 23 years with champs trade shows and uh, with women of champs. Now that we've got that program running, it's, you know, with that, we persist. And, you know, it was women who helped, helped change prohibition. I really truly honestly believe it's going to be the women who also helped change cannabition as well. So, so, so we're talking about um, the importance of in-person events and obviously, so did you all do uh, virtual events during the pandemic and, you know, yes. Uh, now I wasn't on the team at that time. And I do know that they did experiment with that. And, you know, it was just like everybody else. We were all experimenting with the same thing, various different platforms, you know, and of course now we're, we're all more well-prepared in case that ever happens again. We haven't, we now have a backup plan, um, you know, and I think a lot of people do. Um, but I also think that having that period of time, that we were figuring out our, you know, our, our other plans, um, our backup plans. Um, it really highlighted the importance of why face-to-face -face communication and why are these, these live interactions and just human connection in general is so extremely important in general. So totally agree. I mean, if I think back to March, 2020, when we, when we first were like, okay, things are getting shut down, you know, as an event producer, I'm thinking, okay, maybe, maybe it's going to be a month. Maybe it's going to be two. We had no idea. And now that events are back, there seems to be this sense from guests that attend events that they appreciate 
in my experience, being together more than maybe ever before. And I feel that we have, we may have not had that, had we not been forced to have that pause and that isolation during the pandemic, because now that we're back together, it's like the best feeling ever. And I have, you know, we've attended events with you, Abby, and you're right. The after parties, the the gatherings of people, not only is it where, you know, the business is done, but it's where these friendships that truly I feel like, like stand the test of time. You meet folks that are in the same industry as you, share similar passions, and you can continue to connect with them when they go back to their home states. We continue to learn from our friends that are in other states that are going through different policy reforms and, and learn together. And it's just, it's been great to attend on um, these events. And I feel that the pandemic has helped us. And maybe the silver lining is it's allowing people to realize nothing truly replace us being together and One, having this kind of community together. 1000%. Now I'm going to kind of jump over onto my spiritual side because you, you nailed it on the head. It's the COVID and this whole shutdown experience really forced a lot of people to have to go within and they had to stay quiet. They weren't allowed to see people, you know, um, and it forced people to have to think about, you know, what really fulfills their life and what's making them feel better as people and what they're doing. And it, it, there's just so many things. Right. And um, I think that what it do- did was force this great awakening. You know, we are in the age of Aquarius and I'll go all astro on you, but like it's 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 the age of awakening and this great awakening is now making, it's like a battle between, um, you know, ego versus what you really value in life and, you know, what makes you happy and healthy. And this is now we're seeing this huge new wave of people opening up to the experience of cannabis and plant medicine and how that's helping opening up their minds and their experiences to happiness and elevating their health and happiness. And, you know, but with that comes a lot of responsibility on on our ends in the industry. That's where we have to educate them. It's, you know, the spirituals I want to get, you know, I'm, and again, and I love that you, you uh, opened this with, you know, we're not doctors here. It's nothing like that at all, you know, but you do have to know what um, the basic medicinal benefits and, and, and what, uh, what you're looking at and how it can apply to what you're actually wanting to use it for, because it's not like some miracle thing where you use it once. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're living this happy go lucky life and whatnot. That's it's still medicine. You have to use it accordingly. Um, but that said, uh, we're in this age now. I think people are waking up to it and us being those, those advisors, um, after having experienced and worked with it so long ourselves, you know, this is our time to, to be able to offer our expertise. And, and I'm just really grateful myself to be able to be here and, and be able to lend my advice and my experience and how it's helped me get to where I'm at. So my, I, I love that. It's not a panacea. It's, you know, it's not without its pitfalls and it's not for everyone. And that's where the education is so important so that people can understand and make a really uh, good decisions about whether or not it will work for them. Absolutely. And then on the non-medicinal side, it's, it's busting open this huge new market for literally everything, you know, cause like I was saying earlier, anything that you can do, anything you can do, we can do better. No, <laughs> it, like anything 
that you you can do in the non-cannabis industries, you can basically do in the cannabis industries. And sometimes it's even cooler. So, and we're finding that with just everything. Um, there's so many examples. I love it so much. And, and I love being able to help these new products and new businesses market their products and bring them to light and see literal lives change and the, the lives of their families change right before our eyes f- from people that for the longest time in our lives, we were called stoners and, and that we weren't, you know, anything and that we weren't going to make it or go anywhere in our lives because we were potheads. Well, now we're having booming businesses and thriving, you know, entertainment industries and podcasts and educational, you know, conferences and we're speakers and we're, we're everything. And it's all because of cannabis and plant medicine, not the other way around. And it's going to make those that won't like break through those stigmas seem so archaic in their ideologies. I mean, I'll tell you, Dr. Oz is running for senator in Pennsylvania, and he just made this statement that that cannabis makes you lazy and with legalization ever no one will work in Pennsylvania ever again if if cannabis is legalized. So it's laughable. And especially with, you know, a DR period in front of his Oz, it makes it very hard for me to think that there's so many people that believe, you know, doctors and celebrities that, you know, may not have the knowledge or understanding around this. And it really takes those of us that I feel are so passionate about it and really advocates about it to not be afraid to speak up. And Abby, you've always been someone who's been very, very open about, you know, your cannabis use and using it as a way to show people like this isn't something I'm ashamed of. Look at how I'm still an excellent mother, have a great job. You know, I'm successful in my life. I'm healthy. I'm doing everything the right way. And the only way in my mind that we're going to change those opinions is by living those lives and letting people see for ourselves. We can talk about how much cannabis is great all day, but look at the good it's doing for our lives and for the lives around us. And that's what's going to end the stigma. Um, Certainly, we need to have a lot of work to do when we have politicians and folks still believing that, you know, it's a gateway drug or that it's making us lazy. Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm so glad that this isn't being recorded via video because I was cracking up. Um, (laughs) And the one thing I want to say Right. Like the one thing I want to say about Dr. Oz and any medical professional out there that specifically speaks against cannabis, it's like the, even and, and, you know, I I respect them for what they do know. Um, but even in The Wizard of Oz, that doctor, when you pulled that curtain, was not who you thought he was. And I just want to put that out there because, you know, you you don't know what you don't know. And until you know it, don't speak against it Um, because there's it helps so many other people and he can believe what he wants to believe. But I already know what I know. That's right. Yeah. And, you know, and that goes for everybody. It's it's Elizabeth, you said it earlier. It's not necessarily for everyone, but um, for those that, you know, feel that it might be try it. You know, I know I did. And I've tried multiple strains and multiple types and, you know, multiple forms. And I know what works best for me. And the only way that I know is through, you know, trying it for myself and experimenting on my own. Now, I luckily, because of my experience in the industry, have 
fantastic professionals around me that I've been able to learn an, an insane amount of education to where, you know, when I experiment, I'm making, um, you know, educated choices. And, you know, it, it just, it floors me. I think back to not just cannabis, but, you know, you want to talk plant medicine and um, like psilocybin. And if I would have known when I was 15, 16 years old and experimenting with psilocybin back then, what I know now about it, my life would be completely changed. I wouldn't have gone through the years of struggle and depression and antidepressants when I did use them, you know, because I would have known that I had another option in smaller amounts, you know, microdosing versus hero dosing. But I didn't know. I just thought it was something cool and fun because I wasn't educated enough about it. You know, but now my children, my girls are growing up knowing, you know, the differences between CBD and THC. And I haven't yet, you know, necessarily taught them about psilocybin per se. But, you know, when you give them this education, it's not scary anymore. Instead of teaching them like they used to teach us and dare about, oh, the dangers of it. Well, why not teach us about the medicinal uses of it and why it's actually good and how it can be used for great purposes, but why maybe you're just not ready for it. Or you're too young. Exactly. Like that's what we have to be teaching them. So, you know, and fortunately, you know, I've, and again, I had to experiment, experiment with that myself as a mother, my oldest one, she, you know, got to grow up with me hiding it from her and, her learning that it was much like, you know, Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny. And, uh, you know, I was always trying to hide it from her. But then when she found out what I was doing, oh, it was like, well, it was horrible. Like she didn't trust me. I had broken all her trust. I wasn't who she thought I was. And, you know, we had to get through all of that. But then my youngest, she's seen me use it my entire life. And she's fortunately been able to be educated along with me because me as a single mother, you know, struggling and doing this completely on my own the entire time and taking jobs that I, you know, was taking so I wouldn't be drug tested. You know, she's she's been through she's been through the trenches with me, unfortunately. But and I think that's why a lot of us in the cannabis community do feel this camaraderie together. You know, we've been through these uphill battles together, um, but we know the value and how it positively affects all of our lives in the end. And that's where this more unified community and spirit, I think, lies um, versus a lot of the other industries and, you know, backgrounds that I've come from professionally. Yeah, the plant really brings us together. And I think that when I talk to my daughter, who is very young and she's only eight years old, she thinks she knows that that plants can be medicine. And so Mm -hmm. I think there's just a level of like, let's start with the basic. Okay, things that come from the ground can be safe for us to use as medicine. And even if it's just something small like that and, and as children grow, they get more education, that's great. But just eliminating the bias and the negativity around it and the stigma stigma is so very important. And I I love that you touched on psilocybin because as you know, on on the Vine, we also like to talk about psychedelics quite a bit. And you did mention having maybe some mycologists as a part of of Champs. So do you see your industry maybe moving forward, including a little bit more of additional plant medicines as the industry is evolving? 
Oh, I a thousand percent. I believe that that's the way it needs to go regardless. I mean, you know, with cannabis, um, we even though we haven't even reached the tip of the iceberg yet, um, you know, it's still an industry that has had roots in the ground for many, many years. Now, psilocybin is a completely different story. Yes, it's been around for a very long time. And I saw your I saw your episode with Bicycle Day. That was really cool. Um, but, you know, like it, it's still very new and it's still being researched and it still needs to be brought to the forefront and fought for much like cannabis has for all the years that it's been. Um, we have to be able to destigmatize even the, the the term shrooms and start using terms like mycology. I know I know you guys use it correctly, but like we have to educate people why this is the correct terminology and why that helps destigmatize the entire industry and really gives it you know credibility for what we are using it for. Um, so it's just things like that. But I definitely see us moving towards that for certain. And, um, you know, we are excited to be able to, you know, be bringing that onto our show, show floor and really trying to help move that narrative as well. That's so exciting. Awesome. And you have a show coming up really soon, right? Yeah, we actually have two. Um, so our next show is, uh, at, is Champs Chicago. Um, it's being held at the Donald E. Stevenson Center in Ro- or a Convention Center in Rosemont, um, June 7th through 9th. And really excited if you go on to champstradeshows.com, you can um, pre-register and get yourself um, uh, all set up for that. And then we also have our summer show coming up in Las Vegas. That's one of our largest shows of the year and one of them. And um, that is going to be July 26th through 29th. Um, at the Las Vegas Convention Center. I want to say that's South Hall. But- and, and Abby, does one pay for tickets um, to, to get in or is it free admission? So Champs is a very unique trade show. We are strictly B2B. Um, you know, obviously all exhibitors, you know, and their teams are, are, are in because they're exhibiting. And then all buyers are always free. But in order to be a buyer, you just have to be a verified buyer. What, it's very easy to get verified as long as you're there for the right purposes, right? So um, you can use, um, you know, if you have a seller's permit, retailer's permit, business card. If you go online to Champs Trade Shows, we have it there, black and white, you know, all over the website, all the different types of forms of identification that you can use. Um, and then, you know, if if you're media or anybody, you know, outside of, if this is your first time, just reach out to us. You know, we want people to experience, uh, you know, the show floor and see exactly what we're all about. We understand that people grow within the community itself. We want to be able to, to make sure that people are promoting us and working with us as much as we want to work with them. So I just, uh, uh, would love for everyone to reach out if you have any questions and we'll see, you know, hope to see you at the next show. Thank you so much, Abby. You, you, you just Abby. we Elizabeth and I have always just seen you as such a trailblazer and such a, an authentic spirit that really is doing such great work in the cannabis space. And we appreciate you so much taking the time to join us today. I appreciate you both so much. Thank you, ladies, for being on the vine. And we can't wait to you know help support you all in the future as well. 
Thank you again to our listeners for joining us today on another episode of The Vine, a Plant Media Project podcast. For cannabis and psychedelic news, please visit us online at plantmediaproject.com. Together, we can end the stigma around plant medicine.